welcome to the Electric Sports Talk, a podcast dedicated entirely to sports and only sports. On today's episode, we talk U.S. soccer, and here is your host, Ty Crystal. All right, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Nice to have you on the show again. Nice to be back in the studio and talking to you guys about some USMNT soccer here. Uh, yeah, so today we're just going to kind of wrap up this window. Uh, we're just going to go back over, well, I, I guess we won't reiterate too much from our triumph in the Nations League because uh, we talked about that extensively on the last show, so you guys are going to have to go listen to that, of course. Um, but we'll just kind of you know quickly run through the four games we played in this uh, just to kind of give you guys a reminder. Um, I want to talk about the Costa Rica game a little bit more. Uh, not a ton to talk about, though, because obviously it was a decisive win for our boys and uh, very impressive to see that happen the way it did. And then uh, I also want to talk about, uh, you know, a little bit about what do, what is the best 11 moving forward. I know that we haven't necessarily seen maybe enough people to really get a good idea of that because I think the Gold Cup is going to give us a better answer to that question. Obviously, there's going to be tons of other uh, call-ups in the Gold Cup that will help us get an understanding of what's going on with that one. You know, I'll kind of give my opinion, guys. Uh, I know that... Everyone kind of has different opinions out there, so just remember, it is just an opinion. <laughs> it's not really fact. Because I, I have nothing to do with the team. I just like talking about them. Uh, yeah, and then I think, you know, we'll just kind of talk about how the players did that played against Costa Rica. And then real quickly, just kind of go over what we can expect from the Gold Cup that's coming up rather soon. Uh, you know, expecting their house to be released maybe in the next two weeks, three weeks. Maybe it's already out by the time you're listening to this. I don't know. Um, and then I also want to get to a couple of rumors that I've heard surrounding some USMNT players now that we are kind of, you know, approaching that transfer window time, um, in that transfer window time, however you want to put it. So we'll get right into all that. Oh, and I, I must tell you guys as well that, uh, of course, Carson was on the show with me last week. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that uh, with him on there. But unfortunately, he is dealing with some family business today. Um, so, you know, we, we, we're going to do this show earlier, but it's kind of been an ongoing thing for him. So unfortunately he won't be joining us this time around, hopefully next week, um, or whenever we record again, you know, I keep, I always do say this, that I'm going to try and put out a weekly show of this one, but then the podcast, like with the other shows I do kind of get chaotic and, and I, there's not always stuff to talk about with the USMNT, so I don't always put out a show every week. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm still trying to get better at that. I uh, still want to try and put out a, a weekly show, kind of talking about stuff. And if Carson does get on a more regular schedule with me, then that'll make it a lot easier too because we'll uh, we'll find lots of good stuff to talk about. So uh, let's talk about this window, guys. So as we all know, it was a four-game four window designed to kind of emulate what exactly is going to go down during World Cup qualifiers, right? Uh, a very smart move by by Burhalter, and you know say what you will i mean a lot of people have kind of been ragging on Burhalter over this whole process since he's been the coach and you know this and that and everything else that people like to complain about um you guys are all already know <laughs> exactly what i'm talking about right so you know what i i think this was a smart idea though and i think the way they went about it was you know pretty good for me i at least i would say uh i understand why they're trying to do it you know get some of the guys together over in Switzerland, have a flight, and then a short turnaround, kind of a short turnaround, to play a very important game against Honduras, 
and then play for a trophy in the next game three days later, and then jump on another plane, have another, well, this this flight, not as long as the other one, but another flight over to Just Salt Lake and play, you know, in what looked like to our players at least a very meaningful game um, because they were they were playing very hard, and I think they really wanted to win that game. So the implementation of the plan, I think, was successful, if you had to ask me. Um, but, you know, how did the how did the games go themselves, I guess, is what we'll say now. Overall, I'd say a successful couple of games. I mean, if you want to get right down to it. I know one didn't really go our way on the scorecard, at least, right, at the end of the day. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it wasn't a successful uh, game in a lot of cases. I mean, you can have success you can have successes even if you had a setback um on the score sheet. So, when we look at the Switzerland game, I think that that was obviously well, it wasn't a serious or competitive game, I guess you could say, you know, it was a friendly. And I hate using that excuse cuz that sounds just like a cop out and, you know, like oh, it was a friendly, that's why we lost. Uh, but when we win friendlies, then we get really excited about it and read too much into it. Um, but, you know, I, I guess I kind of will use that excuse to a certain extent. Uh, but we do have to remember we were out without some of our better players in this Switzerland game, I would say. It was a friendly. Both teams were kind of getting ready for the next big thing that was around the corner. So I feel like even though we didn't play extremely well in that game, there were players in that game that I thought played well for the U.S. I mean, John Brooks, specifically, I thought he played really well. Uh, I thought Reyna had his moments and McKenney. You know, I think that we have to look at this window and kind of also, you know, with valuing the wins, we also have to look at the importance of the fact that we got to see some new faces. We got to see some players that we haven't seen in a while or as much lately playing some big games so four in a row essentially and not everyone played four in a row but most you know there are some major guys that did play four games in a row and I feel like it was important for us to get this whole uh, window down the way we did and I enjoyed it a lot so you know another thing that the Switzerland game taught us in my opinion as well is that um, Mark McKenzie I think is ready to go I feel like there was a lot of doubts around him and coming into this window you know for me personally I was also a little doubtful, but now it's very uh, obvious that I think that he is reliable and could be on future rosters. So as we move forward, obviously we had that Honduras game. It was a very tough game. It was very <laughs> concacafy, I guess we could say. Obviously, CBU had to have the late winner for us to advance to the final. Um, and thank God he did because what a final it was. But in that game, you know, there wasn't a ton of positives to take away other than once again. Brooks and McKenzie, I thought, were impressive. Stefan had his moments that were good and bad, um, and it, it did kind of raise the question around, I think, what some people had just assumed was Stefan's spot be just because of the club he plays for. Um, I don't think that we had a lot of questions answered in the attack in that game. You know, Reyna and Pulisic had their moments, but they weren't big deciders in that game. Same with Sargent. Like, Sargent, I think that was kind of a game for him where – in my mind, at least, I was like, yeah, I don't know if Sargent's really the striker moving forward. Um, you know, it, it was it was a tough game, but we got through it, and we did exactly what we had to do at the end of the day to win that game, even if it was ugly, because, let's face it, man, uh, there are going to be some games like this where it does get ugly, 
and it does get kind of scrappy in there. And if we can scrap through these games and come out on top, then at the end of the day, that's all that really matters. Obviously, you know, we don't want to have that become a theme and have it be like that all the time. But I don't mind seeing a scrappy game in the U.S. persevering at the end. I think this Mexico game taught us a lot uh, when it comes to this team as a whole. You know, uh, we we did already kind of go over every player in this game. But the biggest takeaways that I took from this game uh, against Mexico was that Horvath and Stefan got some fighting to do over who's going to be that goalkeeper. Not to mention Matt Turner, who's still out there in MLS land in New England, um, who I feel like hasn't really even got his chance yet with the U.S. as well. Uh, I think that this game showed us that, like I've been saying for a little bit, it is, it is time to move on from Tim Ream, unfortunately, as, as good of, of a surgeon, as good of a servant as he's been for the U.S., it, it is time. <laughs> well, I was uh, you know, so high on McKenzie coming in this game. We did realize he's still as young. He's still developing. Um, so, you know, that was important. I think this game showed us that we need to stop playing Dest on the left and we need to just put him on the right side. That's just my opinion. I think this game taught us that Acosta is a very reliable player in the midfield when he needs to be. Uh, he has experience and, you know, he has national team experience, not just like club experience. He has national team experience. And, you know, I kind of said this on the last week's show. In some ways, he's like a... a knockoff version of McKinney in some ways, right? Like he's not as good at doing what McKinney does, but he does a lot of the same things um, in a very similar way. And I feel like can be very impressive at times as well. So, you know, I am an advocate of Acosta moving forward. Uh, this game also taught us that Sargent, in my opinion, not the striker moving forward for sure after Honduras and Mexico and that Pulisic and Reina are going to be very important to driving this team to the top at the end of the day. I mean, you saw how important they both were in this Mexico game. And I know a lot of people ragged on Pulisic saying he didn't do anything until the end of the game, but he was very important in this game. I mean, he had the captain's armband. It was a big deal for him. So this Costa Rica game. Um, so this was, I actually went to this game in person. Uh, I was I was there in Sandy, and it, it was nice. It was a, a beautiful day, uh, nice weather out it was a Costa Rica team that wasn't, I wouldn't necessarily say it was their best team, obviously, uh, because they were missing some some players. And it's, it was unfortunate for them because they are much more talented than the scoreline shows. Uh, at the end of the day, this was, not, this was not as good as Costa Rica will be moving forward. Uh, if they were healthier, they'd probably be a little better. But unfortunately... So many injuries coming off a really tough loss against Honduras and penalties in their last game. I think there was a lot going into this game for Costa Rica that just didn't make it a good recipe. Uh, on the other hand, with the U.S., I was a little nervous that we would you know, be hung over from the Nations League party. <laughs> uh, I was a little nervous that maybe we wouldn't be able to really find a a sense of the game and the, the rotation of a bunch of players like I kind of thought there would be. I know me and Carson kind of had different ideas on this, but the rotation would really, you know, not work in our favor because these players might not be as familiar with themselves. Uh, overall, I wasn't super positive about this game, I guess you could say, because I, I wasn't really sure what to expect. And <laughs> I, a good way I heard this put on another show, Total Soccer Show, is I'm not sure if I would have cared either. Right, like if we did lose this game, 
Uh, I'm I'm not sure I would have been all up in arms about it if we won. Like we did, we did win this game, obviously. And since we did, you know, I also am not going to be into. I'm not going to read too much into it because there's not a lot to read into at the end of the day. It it was a friendly game against a very depleted team, and we put four goals up on them. Um, when it comes to what we learned from this game, I think that what we learned from this game it kind of goes hand in hand with what we learned from Mexico is this team is fighters like the whole team. They're young, they're fighters and they want to win, right? All, all of those characteristics right there, young fighting and a desire to win. It, it really encapsulates in my opinion, all three of these games that we played. And, you know, we tried against Switzerland. It wasn't a victory at the end of the day, but we did our best. Uh, we actually went up on them to start the game, right? So we, we had the lead and then lost it. But when we need to, I think this team is going to be very impressive in fighting back and being, you know, not quitting, essentially. They're, they're not going to give up. And we did talk about this on the last show. I don't remember a group like this for at least a decade of us, like, having such a desire to fight and try and always be in a game and no matter who we're playing you know there's going to be that belief that i at least i think that these guys are going to have this belief that they can win and they can beat anyone whether they can or not i mean that that's a whole different question but a belief that you can win is like 70 percent of the battle sometimes because i feel like a lot of people walk into situations and they're just not they're just not confident they don't think they can win uh it's a big thing in sports i think is having the positive mind frame that you're here to win and that you can win. So honestly, we did. We we dominated this game against Costa Rica. It was <laughs> what can you say, right? It was a four to nothing win. Uh we got the scoring started early and it kept happening often and, and it was impressive. Obviously it slowed down a little bit towards the end. Um I will say, you know, just quick things about these these four goals that we were able to put on the board. So Aronson's goal was pretty nice. Uh from from a, a team standpoint, as far as to get the play up to that point for D, to, for DK to be there and then have Aronson on the follow up, I feel like that that goal really showed us that there is a desire to try and get forward against some of this weaker competition that we know we can really compete with or outclass. Out I think is a better word. Um, outclass at the end of the day, because if we can get forward and be really impressive in getting up. And attacking, it's going to create a lot of chances for us. I mean, we shouldn't really be, you know, not to be rude, but we really shouldn't be worried about someone like Costa Rica or, I know it was a struggle, but Honduras, uh, teams like El Salvador that we're probably going to see in World Cup qualifying. Like, we should be going at those teams, and we should be very aggressive. And I think this game showed us that we can be aggressive and do really well in this game because, well, because it's important to the style of play. I think we have, I, I hear a lot of people and see a lot of people's comments about how, you know, Burhalter is not doing a very good job and he, we need a new coach and all this stuff, but he's actually trying to implement the system that is really beneficial to, I think our playing style and our players that we have right now, you know, this group is becoming um, our pool. I should say is becoming much more technical. The idea of like just hard work and, and try and run faster than other guys and, and, hope to make something happen, it's kind of going by the wayside, I feel like. There are obviously still players out there that have that mindset and try and do those things, but but it's not necessarily 
it's not necessarily where we're at right now, I wouldn't say, because this team, I feel like at least, is, is more technical and and capable of possessing the ball a little better, uh, building up an attack and trying to get after the opponent when they are a little bit of a weaker team. I, I would say, you know, I mean, it, it is hard to say that, though, because I guess we did just kind of struggle <laughs> against Honduras, but it was a very big game, and I think Honduras was, they were really trying to win that game or at least hold us to take us to extra time or penalties or whatever it would have been the case. Um, I don't I don't know if Costa Rica really was trying that hard. So once again, this is a case of maybe I'm reading into this too much, but I, I enjoyed the buildup for the first goal especially, and you could really see that as a theme of possessing the ball, trying to play out of the back, trying to build up, uh, trying to get runners down the edges with our wing backs and then feed the ball in and find our strikers and our attackers. At, at the end of the day, uh, a goal is a goal. And, you know, even if it was kind of sloppy in the end, uh, it, it was still fun to get that chance. Uh, I was I was actually sitting right behind the goal, so it was, it was cool to see Aronson score that. Uh, let's see, Daryl DK's goal. Uh, what a beautiful pass into DK. And then DK did a really good job to compose himself, like get in the box, compose himself, uh, continue his run with the ball, and then he did pretty much trick the keeper, I feel like, by probably eye movement, I would guess, or maybe some head movement. Uh, you know, kind of had the keeper looking like he would go one way, he went the other way. Uh, very impressive strike, I would say, from DK. You know, I'll get more into this in the player reviews of this, like the player ratings and stuff for this game specifically, but I do feel like it's a very strong, there's a very strong possibility at this point that DK could be our, our starter moving forward. So we'll, we'll see. I mean, it's hard to say that with much conviction, but there's a possibility. Uh, let's see, our, our third goal. How about this guy, right? Uh, Reggie Cannon coming upfield, getting a nice interception, makes an impressive move, very impressive move. Uh, didn't expect anything like that out of Reggie Cannon. Uh, kind of gets around the defender. He changes the ball to his other foot and takes an amazing shot. And I was just like, wow, okay, that was, that was impressive. Um, I actually had to take a double take cause I wasn't sure at first who scored that goal because it was such a good take on it. And I was like, wow, okay. That was our, that was our right back. Uh, all right. <laughs> I was, uh, <laughs> I was a little, I was a little surprised at first, uh, but obviously very happy for Cannon. Uh, what a, what an attempt from him. I feel like this was a good game that he had specifically, uh, not not just because he scored this goal, but because there were some shaky moments in his last couple games that he got on the field, and you know it's kind of put some doubt in some people's mind. I think uh, I still, you know, I'm I'm also on the fence with our outside back situation as a whole. Really, I mean, I don't I don't really know what to think other than Dest is locked in on the right, and I think Robinson probably should go on the left but other than that i i do feel like there are some question marks with the backups and who should and who shouldn't be called into the camps moving forward um obviously i think there's going to be a persistence from the coaching staff or burhalter whichever you know whichever to consistently keep playing dest out on the left which it's driving me crazy but you know we will have to see how that goes but nonetheless an amazing goal from reggie cannon a goal like the the way the goal happened, it come from a guy that you wouldn't expect. 
And I don't expect Reggie Cannon to ever do something like that again in a USMNT jersey. Uh, you know, if we're being realistic, I, I don't expect it because it's it was very impressive. And um, he is an outside back, so he's not going to get a ton of chances like that. But the fact that he did take that and make it look fairly, you know, routine and like he's done that a million times, like a winger or something, it was good. It was nice. Um, kind of makes you wonder, you know, can he be an attacking threat moving forward? Because we really think of Dest as like the attacking outside back and Cannon is much more of this, you know, defensive conservative back. Um, but no, no, it, it seems to be maybe Cannon can also offer us some in the attack. Obviously, I think during that Gold Cup run he had a little bit ago, he was pretty impressive out on the defensive right side. Uh, and I remember a few crosses that he's had as well that were very impressive that I've seen. And, you know, why why not try and get him a little more forward if he does end up playing on the right and we have Dest on the left? I don't want it to happen, but uh, if it doesn't if it doesn't hurt us, I'm all for it. Uh, let's see, the penalty by Gio Reyna. Not much to really say with that one. <laughs> uh, it was a penalty, I, I think, for sure, on this one. And... I, what I didn't appreciate is that Reyna and Sibachu or Pifolk, however you choose to use his last name, I'm not really sure like if he does prefer one or the other uh, because I know his his name is Sibachu and that's what they put out on the rosters and stuff, but he wears Pifolk on, on his jersey for his mother, obviously. And, uh, you know, none, nonetheless, that's besides the point. I, I was kind of confused why him and Reyna were arguing over who should take the penalty. Um, I, I feel like this is a coaching moment for Greg of like, all right, we have our penalty takers, you, 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 right? Like, I, I don't know who the penalty takers are, but let's just say like in this game, in the game at this moment, there was Sibichu. Uh Let's say that the penalty takers were Sibichu, Legette, and I believe obviously Reyna was on at this point. Uh, but let's just say it was like Walker Zimmerman or something just for fun. Uh, you know, there needs to be a very decisive order. And I think how the penalties get taken, if you have a bunch of different people taking penalties, I mean, that's fine. I think it'd be better if we did have one guy that routinely took the penalties, you know, to get that in-game practice of taking the penalties and feeling what it's like. I have no problem that Reyna took it. Uh, I wouldn't have had a problem if he took it and won or, and, and made it. it it's, it's whatever at the end of the day because showing the confidence to step up and want the penalty, it is a big deal as well. So credit to him for stepping up and getting the penalty. But, you know, let's not bicker about who shouldn't shouldn't take the penalty. Let's just take the penalty. I mean, come on, Greg, get those guys in order and get your penalty taker in there. If it was Sibichu, then Reyna should have backed off. But, you know, it's something I don't want to dwell on too much because it probably is unfair to the guys because at that point <laughs> they were up 3 nothing. Reyna probably wanted a goal because he felt like he drew the penalty, obviously. So it makes sense. But uh, I think you guys kind of get the gist of what I'm saying there. It It's not always a nice sight to see teammates arguing about a penalty shot. That's for sure. At the end of the day, I think we can chalk this game up a lot to Costa Rica was very injured. Uh, they had a lot of guys missing. They weren't in the lineup. Obviously, Naves wasn't there. Uh, he's not normally there very much. If it, you know, if it isn't a competitive game, World Cup qualifying, I mean, the dude is, what, 37, 36? I mean, I think he's over 35 at this point, so he wasn't there. Uh, obviously, that's one of the best, not just goalkeepers in the world, but players in the world and has been for a while, so very important. I mean, 
top five keeper in the world at maybe right now at times one of the best in the world <laughs> you could argue so we do need to keep this in mind i mean costa rica was depleted they were coming off of a a very tough game against a scrappy honduras team that ended up taking them penalties um i do think that costa rica well i should say this i don't think that this is indicative of how good costa rica is or can be moving forward you know i once again this is a friendly so let's let's preface a lot of what we say with those words but if if we're expecting to you know for example walk down there to costa rica and world cup qualifiers and just kick the crap out of them like this uh (laughs) yeah no no we we are good i will say that but this team also has a lot of strengths um if it wasn't for the players that we're missing i believe this team would be much better i mean i'll I'll just kind of go through some of the guys that weren't on the roster that i think are notable uh obviously novice he wasn't on there uh matarita wasn't on there I don't know how much involved uh, Watson is anymore, but he wasn't on there. Uh, Pablo Vargas, he wasn't on there. Um, these are our defenders that we're in right now. Uh, moving on to the midfield, you know, Luis Diaz, David Guzman, however much he's involved anymore. He is on the other side of 30 at this point. Uh, obviously, a lot of the local Costa Rican players that are a little older that have a bunch of caps were not there. Jose Ortiz. Uh, who has 13 caps and three goals in the forward position. Uh, Vega, who plays over in Romania. I mean, there were guys that just weren't there, and I think it would have made this team better if they were there. And that's not necessarily to say, like, we shouldn't take joy out of this win and it wasn't impressive or anything, but it is worth mentioning at the end of the day uh, when we really think about it. So here's here's the thing. Um, well, we did dominate this game. Not everything was great, you know, not everything just went according to plan, I don't think. Not everything was all good and dandy, because there were a few negatives, I think, and we'll point them out as we go. But not many, I'll have to say that. Not not many. I mean, overall, it's so hard to complain about a 4-0 game. <laughs> so, alright, uh, let's kind of run through the lineup, give some ratings out, kind of talk about some pluses negatives whatever we kind of get into here uh all right so starting goal horvath i I was very much hoping to see a choa you know uh that is his home stadium in front of um probably a lot of his home fans Uh, to see him get a starting goal i think it would have energized that that fan base in salt lake a little more and uh really won well it would have won i think the salt lake people over (laughs) for the uh for with Greg Berhalter and, and giving Ochoa a chance in his home uh, arena. So, unfortunate, but uh, Horvath did start. He played really well. Didn't have a ton to do uh, at the end of the day, really. Technically, registered no saves. <laughs> but there was, a, there was a few things he had to deal with. For the most part, he was very on par for the course. Um, when you don't have much to do, it can often be, like, you know, overlooked that you even played <laughs> as a goalkeeper really um and i kind of felt like that at times uh but you know that's a good thing i mean that that means our defense was doing its job that means that maybe the other team wasn't able to break through uh whatever may be the case you know he did a good job so not really rating but worthy worthy of 
potentially saying, hey, Greg, uh, I need <laughs> I need to be the number one. Uh, we'll see. I mean, I know there's kind of a debate. There, there was an ongoing debate about this between Turner and Stefan, and we haven't really seen that get settled. And now Horvath created the new debate. Uh, so there might be three. That's kind of the way I'm looking at it. But you know what? I like that because if we have three solid goalkeepers, that means that... Uh, and obviously we don't want anyone injured, but we can cover with injuries and still do very well. So when we get to center backs in this game, uh, no surprise here. You know, I expect a lot of rotation in the squad, uh, but that's uh, that's another reason I was hoping to see a Choa. Unfortunately, didn't. Uh, but yeah, when we get the center back, kind of no surprise here because there was some rotation. Ream played left side center back, McKenzie on the right side. Uh, you know, you guys know my feeling about Ream already. I'm a little negative about him. Obviously, uh, still not super impressed with him, even after this game and even after he played fine. Um, I think Chris Richards, bring him on. Uh, that, that's got to be the guy now. Uh, but overall, Tim Ream did do pretty well, I must say, in this game. You know, we played some nice passes, and we know we kind of can see why he's still getting called up and, and a part of this system right now because... I think he does bring that veteran leadership, and I think he does bring that characteristic of uh, some some experience and and passing that on to guys. But I just don't think that's what the team needs right now because we're we're moving on from that, in my opinion. But he did do fine. Uh, same with McKenzie. You know, he come off of that whew, pretty crazy mistake uh, on uh, against Mexico that cost us that first goal. Uh, I will say, you know, obviously there was a little made about people and comments on social media that he received. Uh, I just want to say, you know, if you're really taking the time out of your day to do that crap, get a life. Um, but that's all I'm going to say about that. So McKenzie, uh, overall, another good game, though, because <laughs> he didn't have much to do, <laughs> right? Um, so him and Reem were both pretty strong back there. McKenzie did get subbed out at halftime. Walker Zimmerman came on for him. Uh, Zimmerman played pretty good, I think. I think that he's kind of on the outside looking in at this point, though, which is unfortunate because I do think he's strong. I think him and Aaron Long don't really deserve to be playing in the MLS. Not because MLS sucks, but just because I think they are higher quality players than what that league has to offer. I, I really do. I, th I think that I, I think when we look at their game, I think that either of those guys could play in a top five league for a middle-of-the-pack team and, and probably contribute and play really well. I mean, obviously... Aaron Long had West Ham after him uh, last summer and the summer before that, and there's been lots of interest around him. It's probably gone by now because of his age. Zimmerman was kind of, you know, he's been in MLS. He kind of got, I think he kind of got stuck in the whole LAFC thing, and they kind of canned him, <laughs> which was unfortunate. Uh, but, yeah, I, I do believe that they're both really good quality, but what's nice about saying that is – and, and if Aaron Long was healthy, I, I do think he'd be playing for this team. But um, what's good about saying that right now is it shows that our depth is growing. And it's really nice because this is a problem that I'd like to have <laughs> instead of the other way around, um, which is something I don't think we've always been able to say, right? Because the center back position hasn't always been like so many guys that we could choose that I feel like are all kind of around the same level or near the same level that would be really fun to see play for the team. So all three of those guys, though, very impressive. Uh, I can't give out ratings, really. It's, it's so hard because this game was 
very much our game at the end of the day. Right back, Cannon got the goal, played really well on defense, I thought. Didn't didn't give up too many big mistakes or really anything. You know, I think he's serviceable in games like this specifically because I think that the competition level suits him pretty well. Uh, I think a lot of us kind of got, I don't want to say delusional necessarily, but I think a lot of us kind of bought into the hype, I guess you could say, with Cannon expecting him to like go over to Portugal and and be like this big deal and and light the league up and and you know he had a good season he played as one of the better outside backs in the Portuguese league of course there are rumors of him moving to France or or Italy or, or somewhere you know um <laughs> but just because you do go to Portugal doesn't mean that you're going to be all that better i don't know if canon has improved a bunch since he left Dallas uh but I I do think he has gotten better uh, by leaps and bounds, like some other guys that we see, like Aronson, for example. Uh, I wouldn't say so, no. I mean, but Cannon, he's very usable in a game like this when it comes to the style and the quality of opponent. Um, so I, th- I think it is worth moving forward with him as part of the team, honestly, uh, as, as we go through these Gold Cup and World Cup qualifiers. I, I hope that he gets a chance to get in the Gold Cup roster. Uh, I know he played a lot already, but I do kind of want him to be on this Gold Cup roster because I want him to kind of be like the guy a little bit. And, you know, there are other right backs I'd like to see, Aaron Herrera in specifically, uh, in, in specific from RSL. But I, I feel like if Cannon had another tournament, like he had the last Gold Cup to kind of show us the player he was and be that starter, like lockdown starter, it'd be nice. Uh, Robinson. So yeah, Robinson, I thought he played like fine. I don't necessarily know if he played as good as the rest of the team though. There were times where I was like, uh, that wasn't a great pass or make a little better decisions. I don't, I don't want to criticize the guy too much because he did play pretty well. Um, I do kind of wish that him and Dest would just be our outside backs and we'd just be done with this whole Dest on the left thing. Cause it's driving me crazy. Um, <laughs> If Des was a true left back and he had a left foot, that'd be great. Uh, I think that'd be that answer. You know how many questions that answer for the U.S. that they've had for so long? <laughs> that'd be so nice. Uh, anyways, so <laughs> uh, Robinson, he played fine. I think he could have played maybe a little better. I don't know if he played quite as good as, as Cannon. Uh, it did kind of feel like our attack was in the first half was a little more down uh Antony's side and then we kind of switched a little I don't know it, it was kind of we were all over the field obviously but I I wouldn't say I was overly impressed with Robinson but I do think he brings more defensive stability to the left side of the field than Dest so and that's not because Dest sucks it's just it's just not quite his thing you know uh Robinson has been playing on that left side he he feels comfortable there that's kind of like his natural position it seems like uh but with Dest you know he did come in <laughs> as a sub. Uh, towards the end of the game, he I think uh, he was one of the last used subs in the 82nd minute. Didn't play very long. Didn't do much. Uh, but it's cool to see Dest in person. You know, this is a kid that plays at Barcelona, and it's like it's like this mystique around just the guy. It, it was it was pretty cool. I was kind of wrapped up in the whole thing of like seeing the players and you know even just Pulisic sitting on the bench. I was like, man, that's a Champions League winner. That's that's so cool. That's so cool. Uh, as we move up to the midfield. Uh, Legette, 
I, what did he, I don't know. I, I don't, I feel bad saying this, but what did he do in this game, guys? I don't, three fouls committed, one foul uh, against. I, no shots, no assists, didn't pick up any cards. I don't remember him being a part of anything important. I don't know. I, w- w- you know, after that Switzerland game, I was like, ah, yeah, I still think Legette's pretty good. Uh, and I know it's not totally fair to be like, ah, meh, on Legette right now. But Honduras, he didn't do much to impress me. Mexico, this game, felt like he was just kind of cruising out there on the field in this game. And, well, that's fine, and we were winning kind of without him being too involved in everything for the most part. Uh, you know, I, I do feel like the most of the midfield was running through Musa, who we'll talk about in a minute. Um, Musa and Adams, obviously. But, yeah, I, I wouldn't say Legette did too much of anything that I can really think of in this game. And, you know, I, I you will have to forgive me if there is something obvious here because I did watch it in person, so it's, it's very different than watching it on the TV, obviously. You don't pick everything up like you do on the TV sometimes or hear the broadcasters talking about certain things they talk about. So, I, I you know... I'm still in the legit camp, but I will say he didn't do much in this game that I can think of. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about our other number eight, and then we'll kind of get back into Tyler Adams at the six because, you know, I like jump around and do my own thing. Uh, so Yunus Musa played our other eight, ten position, whatever you want to call him. Uh, I think this game kind of showed us why he should start moving forward as one of those eights. I've kind of been an advocate of that. Um, I feel like Legette would be best served coming off the bench as kind of an impact guy, you know, last 30 to, to 20 minutes somewhere in there and, and kind of seeing what he can get on and do, uh, be very fresh and, and have that ability to come off the bench like that. Obviously, I think Berhalter just trusts him a little bit more than he does Musa right now, but Musa did a lot of good things in this game. You know, he was taking on the defenders. He was trying to progress the ball uh, much more than I think our other midfielders can with even kind of even with the uh, including yeah including McKenney really I mean McKenney I you know he's good at getting into the attack but I think Musa has a much better ability to really get up the field and and try and create through the midfield and work through defenders beat someone off a dribble make a move do something kind of fancy, and then get on the attack. Uh, you know, there were times in this game that I do remember him making a nice move on the ball, uh, beating a defender, trying to do something fancy that got the crowd ooing and awing. Uh But, you know, I, I think this kind of showed us something we were missing a little bit from that Canada, or not Canada. <laughs> yes, Canada too, for sure, when we lost to them. Uh, but no, this, was, this showed us something we were missing from Honduras and Mexico. If Musa was on the field, I think that it would it would make our middle it would make our midfield so much better in trying to progress the ball forward because Musa is just very natural at doing those types of things in the midfield. But you know what do I know? If if it's legit moving forward, it's legit moving forward. But I I like I like Musa. I like his game. Obviously he's young. Obviously he's I don't you know he's playing on the wing a lot for Valencia when he does play. He's eighteen years old. I mean. That's that's just a simple fact. Uh, but Rain is 15 too. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, he is playing on the wing a lot for Valencia when he does play for them. I don't think that's his position moving forward. I really don't. I, th- I think he would be a very good cam type of player 
and for the United States, I think he he will start to really jump into that starting spot for World Cup qualifiers. I hope at least. We'll see. We'll see how his progression goes for sure. Another guy that I kind of wish or hope gets in the Gold Cup and, and does play some games or a lot of games, it would be nice. You know, if Burhalter's not gonna if Burhalter's not gonna start him and use him a lot in the World Cup qualifiers, why not? Let's let's do that. That'd be that'd be awesome. I'm not gonna be too upset if it's legit, but give me Musa. I like it. So Tyler Adams back in the midfield at the six. Uh he was Tyler Adams. <laughs> what can you say, man? He was really nice uh on the ball. His passing was slick. You know, he doesn't sit on the ball. He doesn't think. He doesn't look around very often. He he knows what he wants to do with the ball really before he's getting it. He's setting up his passes. Uh, he it's He's like one of those players that's like a step in front of the game. Like He's kind of one of those guys that reads the game and then will make the pass according to what he's read. And I think that's something that we definitely, definitely missed uh, in Honduras, against Honduras and Mexico. When you have a player like that, I think it changes. Well, let me rephrase this. When we have Tyler Adams in our team, I think it changes our entire midfield. It changes our entire team. It makes us more defensively stable as well because Adams is a machine when it comes to just speed pressing the other. Well, what do you call it? Giga pressing, whatever you want to call it. Uh, yeah, when you when you just want to get at the ball, when we turn it over or you know when when the other team is trying to build up adams is fantastic i mean i tell you what he is just what a player i mean i could sit here and talk about it all day of course and i think a lot of us share the same opinion when it comes to how good adams is and how important he really is to this national team but this is the thing he's not he's not healthy and and I, that's a real concern moving forward because i want him to stay healthy i want him to be a big part of this team. You know, we kind of talk about this, these three players with McKinney, Adams, and and Polisic. I think Reyna is very much put himself in that conversation to now make it a a four-man discussion. But those three guys are so important moving forward. And the the most important thing, really, well, I don't know about really, and I don't know if it's necessarily the most important in your guys' opinion, but in my opinion, I think if this team is going to be at its best, the most important thing for us as as a national team is going to be to have Adams healthy and Adams playing at his best to make the team even better. Because at the end of the day, if you have a player that can build out of the midfield, well, not build, because he doesn't really build, but make the passes in the midfield like he does, it's going gonna, it's gonna to make the whole team better. I mean, you know, I, I don't want to... I have spent a long time on this, so I'm not going to say I don't want to spend a long time on this. But uh, this this was an excellent game from him, and it showed us why he is important to have. And I know it wasn't a competitive game, and ah, I wish we could have seen this against Mexico. But I think if he is in this Mexico game, it is different. I think it's very different. So but that's just my opinion. We'll see. Um, honestly, I hope that he gets healthy, stays healthy. There's my phone ringing. Sorry. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh No, I I just think uh, Adams is going to be so important for this team moving forward. I think that if we want to do good on the biggest stage, there's my phone again. What what is this? If we want to do good on the biggest stage, 
it's going to be very important to have a player like that in our midfield. So hopefully he gets healthy, he stays healthy, and uh, we continue to move forward as a, as a midfield with that. Um, all right, so let's let's talk about this. I'm sorry if I ended that all weird. I kind of lost my train of thought when my phone in this room started ringing. It was a uh, wasn't it? It kind of seemed like maybe a choppy way to end that, but I think you guys got the gist of what I was saying there. So our wingers, Way and Aronson. This game shows me at least that if we don't have Pulisic and Reyna, which we probably will moving forward, though I think those are our two starters as well moving forward. But if we didn't have those two moving forward. I think that these guys, Reyna and, uh, excuse me, Aronson and Weya, I think they are, are very good. I mean, I think that they can they can be starters for sure, and uh, I'm confident moving forward in uh, these guys playing the backup roles. Obviously, I think Aronson is, you know, he had a lot of quality when he was at Philadelphia, and you could see glimpses of what he would be really good at when he... Uh, was in that midfield for Philadelphia and and kind of developing as a as a young player still. I mean he's still young, um, but you could really see that there was so much upside with this kid. And I you know I remember and I've seen people talk about this on on uh, line as well. When he started getting called up into the squads for the national team, I was pumped. I was like, yeah, this kid needs to be in the squad. He needs to be in the squad moving forward. Start developing him right now with the national team. Start. Uh, acclimatizing or what do you, I don't know, start getting him, start getting him acclimated to the team. That's what I'm trying to get at. And uh, let's see, you know, what he can do moving forward. Cause I could feel the, I could kind of feel the talent with this kid. Really. Um, some people thought that he should be played on the wing. I didn't quite see it, but now that he has moved out of the wing and he has moved overseas and he's playing with RB Salzburg in still a competitive country, um, but not, you know, nothing like a top five league, I wouldn't say, that that is by far the best team in Austria that he's playing with. Uh, this guy has turned into a very, very good player. And, you know, there's so many there's so many people that were, like, kind of down on Aronson getting called into camps at first. But then when he made his move, every, everyone changed their mind. Oh, yeah, he's amazing because he plays over in Europe. Um, that drives me crazy. And you And you people know who you are that said those things. Uh, but the, see, so th- when we failed to make the Olympics, it was because we had not developed any of these MLS players. You know, moving forward, the Olympics are probably never really going to be our European young guys coming over and playing for Olympic qualifiers. I, I doubt that'll ever be the case, really. Uh, not often, at least. You know, my thoughts after the Olympic qualifying failure was we need to start developing our league, our local league, more with young talent. You know, and I got some pushback on this when I was talking about this on online, on social media. And, you know, social media is a black hole and people are terrible on there as it is. But I got a lot of pushback on this saying that, you know, our, no, our young players don't need to play in MLS because it's crappy and all this stuff. And it's just, you know, if if you had a player like Brandon Aronson who develops in MLS is around the league uh, until he's a little older and then moves overseas. Not only does that like bode well for our youth teams that are competing in youth competitions and you know more MLS-based players that compete in those competitions, it also kind of invigorates the fan base at home that will follow these players when they move overseas and be very invested in seeing them progress and move up and play for the national team. And, you know, I know what people are saying. I know that everybody hates MLS because 
oh, it's not Europe. But uh, believe it or not, I think that there are there is very good talent to be found in America um, and developed in America and come up with the teams in MLS. I mean, I just, I just don't understand why all you people hate MLS so much. Uh, it drives me crazy. If good players are here and they're here to be had, then let's, let's take advantage. Uh, I, I hope that this whole you know, youth movement that MLS is kind of on is going to develop more and more players like Brennan Aronson. Obviously, I think really only Dallas uh, and RSL's Academy have, I mean, not to toot my club's own horn, but RSL's Academy in California, Arizona, and Utah, uh, along with Dallas, they've really been the, the MLS teams driving the development of young players. Uh, and when you, look, when you look at a lot of guys, I mean, a lot of guys played for Dallas or the Dallas Youth Academy at some point that are at a higher level and or they were a part of that RSL Academy in California or Arizona. I mean, it's kind of underrated, but those if those academy setups were implemented around the country and used to kind of bring players up and there wasn't such a, a focus in MLS on these old players that used to be amazing that we are like two years away from retirement (laughs) can barely play and we want to bring them in because oh it wasn't Iguain wasn't he like the best like forget that method that model doesn't work I personally don't care to see that I mean RSL just got Bobby Wood from Germany and that's cool you know I liked Bobby Wood when he was playing for RSL but I just don't have much interest in seeing someone like Bobby Wood play um I mean obviously I'm still excited for it don't get me wrong but I would be so much more excited to see a young striker, young player, I guess we should say, that's on the up and up that is going to you know, come out of our academy system, is going to be a homegrown player, and then is going to get a move to Europe. And I can follow them and be invested with their career. I think someone like Aaron Herrera, who has got a lot of rumors around him about moving over to specifically uh, Italy right now. I, like I am so excited to see where his career goes. It's going to be unfortunate that I don't get to watch him forever. Sure. But I think we have to understand as, as American football fans or soccer fans, however you want to say it, that the real goal and the real goal will always be for now until forever, un- unless things totally change over here in North America, um, <laughs> that Europe is the place to go. England, Spain, Italy, Germany, those are the leagues that everyone wants to play in. Everyone's going to want to play for Bayern, Madrid, Juventus, Chelsea, you know, these big-name teams. And I'm okay with that because I want to see our players have the best opportunity to succeed at the end of the day. But I'm also very, very – well, I think it's very, very important that we develop them here or have a bigger focus on development here and then move them on. Because if we're so caught up in just getting them over to Europe as fast as possible, I don't feel like it'll quite grow our fan base to – like these players as much when they make the move to Europe and then come back and play in these qualifiers. I, I just I like the connection and and you can see on social media that people have this connection to Aronson that were Philadelphia fans and watched him play. And it's cool. It it is. It's it's really cool. I mean, I am right now getting to see Ochoa play for our our club team here in RSL and see him get called up to the national squad. It's just it's awesome. <laughs> so I hope, I know this was kind of a a side tangent, but this was the long and short, this was the long way of me saying in the shortened version that there needs to be more players like Brennan Aronson coming out of MLS. I know not every single player is going to be Brennan Aronson. 
I know that there'll be failures. There'll be guys that don't always pan out at the end of the day. I mean, who knows? Aronson might not pan out at the end of the day either. Um, but he has been so successful in his transition away from being a young, young talent with a lot of upside in MLS to being a standout player with his new club in Europe. And before too long, he'll be in Germany, I think, uh, in Leipzig, most likely, playing in that amazing system and competing for the Bundesliga title. So I understand you people hate MLS, but let's let's understand the importance that it could play in developing these young players moving forward for the U.S. men's national team. Let's let's not forget that our league can be good too if we kind of, in a little bit of, of ways, change our model. And I think the MLS is starting to realize that and understand that too. Um, Yeah, so Aronson played great. Weya, Weya played good. Weya, um, well, I don't, he, he didn't play quite as good as Aronson, but he still played good. I, I like Weya. He's one of my favorite players in the whole team. You know, I've said this many times. I do think he has the highest upside on the team. I don't know if we're ever really going to see that, but I, I do feel like at the end of the day, when he was coming up, he had a ton of potential. And whether that's all there and whether he'll ever realize it, I don't know. I hope he does, though, because I, I do think that he can be very good. I think that he can play for a big club. Like, when he was at PSG, I think he really could have played there. You know, Lil, don't get me wrong. Lil's good, too. Uh, but coming off the bench and playing for Lil, I don't think it's really what we're all expecting when we think, like, ah, big, huge, record-breaking talent and transfers and stuff. <laughs> um, so I like Weya, and I find it hard to find really any faults in his game. Um, obviously, the, I think that he... He wanted to be a little more involved than he was at the end of the day uh, in the scoring aspect of the of the game. But uh, I enjoyed watching him. He's he's so much fun to watch. He's crafty on the ball. I like it. Um, DK? DK's got to be a striker moving forward, right? I mean, I think that the U.S. system right now, they need a player at the striker position that can kind of be a Josie Altidore type of guy, really good hold-up play, gets on the attack, and then just takes off, gets in the box, gets a header, rockets a shot in to test the keeper. I, you know, I don't know about this. I mean, maybe someone could help me because I'm not, I'm not always the best at these things. I am still kind of new to the game. But what do you guys think? Like, is DK a similar player to Altador in some ways? I mean, I think the DK's upside is higher at this point. I think he might be in the Premier League next year <laughs> um, or this year, I guess I should say at the start of the season, but like, do we think that? Do we think that those players are comparable to each other or not? I mean, I guess I kind of compare them to each other, but uh, it has been a while since I've really... <laughs> this sounds bad. But it's been a while since I've actually watched Altidore play because he's, he's always hurt. Um, but I do feel like, as much as I like Sargent and what he does to help the team, I think that what we really need is DK. You know, I think that we need a player like DK that can be very strong uh, in his hold-up play, fighting off defenders, uh, get, you know, getting guys on his back and just containing them. I mean, there were times in that game where he pushed and shoved and won challenges and got the ball that was, that was much, you know, I don't think that a lot of other players, essentially what I'm saying is I don't think a lot of our other strikers can do that. You know, Sargent couldn't muscle guys around like that. I don't think Sibichu could. But maybe I could be wrong. I've, I don't know if I've watched enough of him to really get a good idea of that. But DK brings a totally different aspect to the team that I think we're lacking, and I think he's the answer. I really do. 
I, I loved his goal that he had. It was, it was very smoothly taken. And moving forward, I would advocate for him to be the starter, but I know it probably won't go that way because it never usually does. Uh, we'll have to see him, though. I, I know that, the once again, <laughs> the, the competition was a little less than uh, desirable, I guess we could say. It, it wasn't the best competition at the end of the day. It just, it just wasn't. Uh, but I do think that there are still positives and negatives to take away from the game, regardless of how good or bad the team was. Uh, obviously, I'm very positive about the result. I'm very excited and delighted for the the four to nothing win. Uh, I might be on the, you know, I might be having a little recency bias with the players that did play in this game because they did play so well and the competition was a little weaker. If that is the case, I do apologize, but uh, you know, I'm just trying to call it how I see it a little bit. Obviously, I don't necessarily think this team could walk in like this lineup. I don't think they could walk in and beat Mexico the way our lineup a couple days ago before this game did, <laughs> which I wish it could. I wish we could say that. That'd be awesome. Uh, but they can still be very competitive with almost every other team in CONCACAF, maybe outside of Honduras and Panama. I don't know. I mean, hard to say. I, you know, I think they could be competitive with those teams. But Mexico might be a little tougher for them, for sure. Uh, some of the subs I didn't mention here that I'll just get to real quick. Jackson Ewell. Uh, I know everyone's kind of on the train of beating on this guy, but uh, I'm not super interested in seeing him in the first team selection anymore. I don't have much good to say about Ewell sometimes, so I'll just... I'll just move on. Uh, Acosta, I think he's got to be in the roster moving forward. I think that he brings a versatility about him that I like personally, and I really want to see more of him. Uh, whether it's coming off the bench or maybe getting the occasional start against weaker competition, I'll take it. But I, I think he is one of these guys, when we talk about valuable experience from the past that counts now, I think he is one of these guys. So, you know, and... I might be a little biased because I do really like him as a player, but uh, I want to see him. I want to see him in here. Sibichu, I think he might have got hurt, uh, so hopefully he's okay. I I never really saw a final thing or not, but you know he did kind of go off holding his knee. He went down a couple times. It was rough. It was right at the end of the game, too. Uh, Reyna, come on, took the penalty. Played good. I mean, there's not a lot to take away from these substitute uh, performances. It's a friendly, and... The whole game gets a little dull when subs come on. So, <laughs> uh, overall, though, good performance from the team. Happy to see a lot of players that, you know, I don't know if I'll ever see play in person again in Sandy, at least in Salt Lake. So, it was, it was cool that they came. I appreciate the U.S. for, for taking the time to come to Little Utah and, and show us uh, a good game against Costa Rica. So, let's, let's real quickly mention that the Gold Cup is coming up. It's going to be. Probably Haiti, I would guess, in our group with Martinique and Canada, I believe. So I would probably go with Haiti to get through and, and be the final team in our group. Uh, we'll have to see. I mean, that's what I think, but we'll see. And uh, we should probably say, you know, this won't be a full senior team, I don't think, by any means. I think that we might be seeing, like, most of our star players not even there when it comes down to it. So... Real quickly, an ideal like Gold Cup team that I would like to see, assuming that we don't have 
like assuming that we don't have a majority of our starters in, uh, this is kind of what I want to see. So uh, allow me to think out loud as well while I kind of go through some of this. So at goalkeeper, I think it'll be heavily MLS influenced guys. Uh, don't see Stefan Horvath getting in here. So in goal, uh, Turner, Sean Johnson, and Achoa. Yeah, give me Achoa. So Sean Johnson, Matt Turner, and uh, David Achoa in the goal as the three goalkeepers for center backs. All right, so right back, I'd like to see called in Cannon and Aaron Herrera. Oh, spelled the name wrong. That's okay. <laughs> uh, left backs. So at left backs, I would enjoy seeing Sammy Vines called in, of course. Uh, Got to be the starter, definitely, moving forward. Uh, who else on this left back position would we like to see, guys? Can I get Jonathan Gomez, please? That'd be cool. Jonathan Gomez, I know he's kind of been approached by the uh, Mexico national team, I think, but he's a he's a left back out of Louisville City. He's trialing over in Europe, or he has been at least. I think like in Portugal a lot. So I'll I'll take that. That'd be cool. So as far as center backs go, let's see. We get we get four probably. Uh, and this you know this is all kind of hypothetical. <laughs> I don't know how really any of this is gonna go. All right. So for starters, uh, assuming all these guys are healthy as well, give me Chris Richards on the left hand side. I guess we could say. I mean, I don't know if it matters that much. Uh, but I'd like to see Richards. And probably Robinson, Miles Robinson start. Um, and then two other guys I want to see called in. Uh, and I'm not really assuming like any senior guys or, or first team type of guys get called in. So if that is ending, if that's going to end up being the case, I probably want to see Walker Zimmerman as well. And this one's tough. There's a couple guys I want to see. Uh, obviously, I'd really like to see. Justin Glad, he's having a pretty good start of the season with RSL, but I'm an RSL fan. So I will say I would like to see called in, honestly, Cameron Carter-Vickers, but assuming that he probably wouldn't be called in because he's over in Europe right now, and who knows what's going on with his whole situation, and I think he's also trying to find a new team. Uh, we'll say CCV, but we're going to parenthesis this with Justin Glad. So I'm kind of going MLS heavy <laughs> as well, if you haven't noticed. All right, CDM position. Um, I don't, once again, I don't know how this is all going to work, but I want to see Johnny. Uh, this playing international in Brazil. I know we saw him in Olympic qualifying. He didn't look too great down there in Mexico, but I do want to see him again. And if we're going to go with another guy that I want to see a lot, uh, that we probably won't get to, but I want to see uh, James Sands. I, I do want to see him called in. So that would kind of be like our six CDM position, whatever you want to call it, assuming we play the same type of formation in the Gold Cup. Now, as far as number eights go, all right, so this one this one's good because um, I'm not sure exactly who or <laughs> I don't really know who we're going to call in here. Um, so I would love to... I'd personally love to see Palma call called in here, uh, assuming he's healthy and, and good to go. Give me Palmi Um Behind Palma call, I think we'll see Roldan. I don't know. Like, I don't think we fully moved on from that. I go back and forth on Roldan, whether I would or wouldn't like to see him in. But let's let's bring him in. And keep in mind, guys, I don't think that a lot of our 
players that were just at this tournament are really going to be there for the Gold Cup. <sighs> okay, there's some positions here, or there's some guys here. And if I overlook anyone or forget someone, guys, I do apologize. I'm just uh, just kind of browsing my lists. And it kind of depends as well on what position they're playing. But give me Busio as one of the, uh, the 810s. I, I don't really think he'd be an 810. I think he's probably more of a, a 9 type. Uh, and, and you know, Eric Williamson. I think that's a guy that a lot of people want to see. This would be a good time to get him in because he hasn't really had a chance. So let's see what the hype is about with this kid. He wasn't even on the Olympic roster, which was – oh, sorry, hit the mic. Um, <laughs> he wasn't even on the Olympic roster, which I think is – outrageous uh really would have been nice i do feel like i went with a very defensive midfield but might kind of get pragmatic at times in the midfield and that might be what we have to deal with okay as far as wingers go i'd really like to see efren alvarez called in uh i doubt that happens though so um, we're just gonna eliminate him off the top here uh as far as wingers go though this one could be tough uh and i'm Going to get maybe a little biased with my selections as well. All right, so first off, on the right side, I obviously think we're going to see Paul Areola. Can't really have a major tournament with heavily domestic players and not see good old Paul. I do think that we see Mahalovic, Georgia Mahalovic called in. He was one of the few guys that did fairly well at the Olympic qualifiers. I mean... So let's let's bring him in. I'd like that a lot. Um, we cannot have a MLS-based roster without talking about Jonathan Lewis, <laughs> of course. Uh, so I'll, I'll expect Jonathan Lewis to be called in as well for the other side. Um, then when it kind of comes down to this final position, I'd like to really see Jordan Morris, but I obviously I don't think he's healthy. I don't think he will be healthy. So give me Chris Mueller. Uh, that's a guy that we haven't seen for a minute. I think he could have a fun gold cup for us. Obviously, lots of MLS guys in this lineup, which I think that's just what we're going to get. Uh, I have no problem with it, but it would be nice to kind of see some of these European-based younger players as well. Obviously, I've kind of incorporated a couple of them in here, but not a lot. Okay, striker. <laughs> There's so many options. Lots of guys I want to see. Uh, when it comes to guys I want to see that I know won't happen for sure. Uh, Hoppy, I'd like to see that. Not going to happen. Toya, I'd like to see that. That's not going to happen. Um, I'd really like to see Cade Cal. That could happen, but probably going to say no to that one. I want it really to be DK. <laughs> uh, da, 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 da. All right, so this is what I think we get for the striker positions. I think uh, DK up top. Let's cross our fingers and hope. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh. And I really, really, really want this one to happen, so I'm going to put him on the list. Uh, Joaquini, that plays over in France. Uh, I I know that there's this rule that you can't release, like you don't have to release players for consecutive big tournaments or something, I heard. So like all these major clubs that had big players just go to the Nations League, they don't have to technically release them again. But there's no rule saying that Khan or bigger players or bigger teams like that in Europe can't release their players if they weren't there at the Nations League. So <laughs> let's see what happens. That'd be that'd be nice to see Jao Kini in the lineup. Uh, a guy that I enjoy a lot. I know he's been playing out on the wing a little more this season. I think he's a good striker though. So I'll just run through it real quick again. 
Uh, Matt Turner, Sean Johnson, David Achoa in the goal. Center backs, Chris Richard, Cameron Carter-Vickers. If not Cameron Carter-Vickers, Justin Glad. Uh, Miles Robinson, Walker Zimmerman. Reggie Cannon, Aaron Herrera, Sam Vines, Jonathan Gomez for the outside backs. CDM of Johnny and James Sands. Uh, number 8 slash 10s, Busio, uh, Gianluco Busio, Paxton Pomacall, Eric Williamson, and Christian Roldan. Uh, right wing, Paul Ariola, Georgie Mihaljevic, left wing, Jonathan Lewis, and... <laughs> oh, oh, sorry, sorry. I, I just laughed because Jonathan Lewis... Just one of these guys that Berhalter seems to really like. Uh, and anyways, Chris Mueller, striker, Nicholas Jawakini, and Daryl DK. Not in that order, necessarily, or like anyone I'd like to start. Ideally, I want to see Turner and goal. I want to see Richards and Zimmerman starting in the back. Uh, I want to see Cannon start at the right, Vines on the left. I want to see James Sands at CDM. I want to see Busio and Pomacall at the 8-10s, if Busio is an 8-10. I don't know. That's, he could also play the CDM, maybe. Uh, I want to see Mueller and Mahalovic on the wings, and I want to see DK starting up top. I feel like that's, you know... A I kind of noticed that I totally left out Caden Clark's name, so it's definitely a guy I'd like to see in there. Uh, so I'll just add that in here. Fairly good, mostly domestic-based group that will be really fun to to have a gold cup with. I mean, I don't expect to win the gold cup. I don't expect to I expect to get out of the group and hopefully advance to like the semis. I think that should be a good goal for a team of this caliber. Um and I think that's understandable when it comes to the group that we might have. So, that's what I would expect. Uh but I no, I'm not going to expect to win this game. I'm not going to expect to take home the trophy. I fully expect someone like, honestly, <laughs> maybe Jamaica or, or uh, maybe even Canada, depending on what they do, maybe Canada could be dangerous. Um, but I do feel like us in Mexico are going to be very conservative with our roster announcements, and I feel like we're not going to put out a bunch of European-based guys or a lot of our best players. I feel like, I mean, I, mean, I talk about Mexico because obviously us and Mexico are the best two teams right now. And CONCACAF, in my humble opinion. Uh, we are obviously the best. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I think uh, I think they're going to see a lot of domestic-based players for both us and Mexico, which, when it comes down to it, their domestic players are probably a little better than our domestic players. Uh, their league probably is as well. But I could really see someone like Jamaica or, uh, or uh Costa Rica just coming out of nowhere to kind of win this because it is such a weird tournament in a really weird year. I mean, so much soccer to be played, football to be played in in this year. I mean, <laughs> it's going to be insane. Uh, all right, so we're going to get on out of here, guys. I uh, appreciate you guys for tuning in. Real quickly, though, before I go, hope you guys have been watching the Euros. It's been a good time. I know it's not really USMNT related, uh, but let me know who you picked for your Euro winner. Uh, I have Bel uh, no, excuse me. I have England and yeah, England and Belgium winning, excuse me, playing in the final. <laughs> and then I have England winning the whole thing. Obviously, I doubt that happens. France uh France second, uh, no, excuse me. France and Denmark in the third fourth place game and I have France in third and Denmark in fourth. Obviously, you know, prayers up for uh Christian Eriksen looking back on my picks uh, might not be 
might not have that happen with Denmark getting to the third place game. Uh, unfortunately, Ericsson with that disastrous, I don't, whatever happened, I'm, you know, very scary event. Uh, but yeah, I, I hope that he recovers and he's okay. My picks are much less important than the man's health. Um, very scary moments. And I think it was very much a a moment that the whole, you know, I, I mean, you kind of hear me just choking up about it. Uh, this was kind of a moment where it seemed like a lot of us come together as, as soccer fans and realized, you know, we are obviously supporting these players out there and, and we're behind them. And when something like this happens to, to one of those players that we all look up to and know is so good, it's, uh, it's crazy. It's, it's sad. It, uh, really hits home. It feels like too, because you seem like, it feels like you have this relationship with players, even if they have no idea who you are and they've never heard of you. Uh, but it does, it, it feels like you have this, this relationship with those guys out there. And so to see that happen to him, it was, it was horrific and I'm glad he's okay. So, but yeah, I, I hope you guys are enjoying the Euros. It's, uh, it's been fun watching it so far. What about that goal that the, that Patrick Schick scored for Czech Republic. Very awesome. All right, so we're going to be back here probably next Tuesday with a new episode. Uh, we'll just kind of go over some news that we're seeing. Uh, obviously, transfer scenes upon us, and I know I said to talk a little bit about that, but let's save it for uh, let's save it for next week, guys, because there are some interesting moves happening. So we're going to get out of here. Send me your Gold Cup rosters, who you want to see called in. Obviously, the email is electricsportstalk at gmail.com, or you can find us on Instagram and uh, Twitter, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> All right. See you later, guys. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Electric Sports Talk. Join us in future episodes as we discuss all things U.S. soccer, collegiate sports, mixed martial arts, motorsports, the NFL, MLB, and the Olympics. If you enjoy our content, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, or shoot us an email to electricsportstalk at gmail.com. Be sure to rate and subscribe. Thanks for listening.